AA Beyond Belief is a podcast by, for, and about people who have found a secular path to sobriety in Alcoholics Anonymous. Today's guest is Doug P. He is from Halifax, Nova Scotia, and it's really interesting. I uh, have been corresponding with Dave mostly via YouTube. He um, listens to our podcast on YouTube quite a bit and uh, correspond with him. And anyway, at one point, uh, he sent an email to me and shared a little bit of his story. And boy, we have a lot in common. And uh, I just thought it'd be interesting to talk to him to learn more about you know, his recovery and his thoughts on uh, how he has evolved um, through the years um, in AA and the group he started and so forth. So it, uh, we'll just take it from there. How you doing, Doug? Hey, uh, very good. Uh, thank you, John, for inviting me. Um, yeah, we corresponded uh, a little bit, uh, I think maybe a month uh, back, and uh, I, I shared a little bit of myself, and uh, I and I guess it evolved uh, to an invitation. Uh, so thank you for inviting me on this. I, I listened to your podcast quite a bit. Oh, that's, that's and, always uh, nice to hear. It's always nice to hear yeah. that people are listening. <laughs> it is. It yeah. is. Because sometimes I go to meetings and, uh, and, you know, and it's not the same. When I started listening to your podcast, uh, um, I, 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 I can relate a lot, uh, you know, what's going on in my sobriety. And uh, I'm sure we'll share a little bit of that as we do progress. Yeah, you're a lot like me that you started off pretty early and you were in traditional AA for a long time and then kind of became, um, I started questioning it uh, much like I did kind of later into your recovery, I think. Absolutely. Yes. I, I did, uh, go through that. I, I jokingly call it my, uh, deconversion. <laughs> yeah. 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 No, it, it really is. And it's like an ongoing process too. You know, I was talking to John H about it in one of our podcasts and, you know, we called it deprogramming and I didn't really mean that in an insulting way. Because I'm still part of AA. I mean, I still go to AA meetings and so forth. But um, I uh, I do make an effort to kind of divorce myself from the lingo of AA, and 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 I do that because I just want to be who I am. I want to be authentic and honest and speak about speak about my recovery, my experience, and my own way, my own language. And you know, it it, it took me a while to understand that. Um, I, that, you know, we do have this lingo in AA and, and I guess there's nothing wrong with that. We all have, we all have jargon, I guess, at a job or, you know, so at an organization, but, but I don't know, it just kind of, I just decided, you know, I don't want to do that. I'm going to use my own words to describe what's going on with me. So yeah, that's my, even, even a little preparation for this, right? Like I, I would share uh, my story in a traditional meeting and, uh, and then preparation for this, I, I had to let go of a lot of things, even in preparation for this, right? Like, I, I don't think the same as I did before. And uh, there's different topics to talk about. And a lot of what I'll be talking about, I would never share in, in a traditional A meeting, uh, let alone some of it in a secular meeting. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know. I've kind of gotten that way myself. Well, let's get into it. Can you can you can you start by um, relating your story of recovery, and we'll just kind of take it, let a conversation flow from that. 
Yeah, sure. Absolutely, John. Um, well, um, I, I did uh, mention um, I, I have, I've been sober for 27 years. Actually, it was about three weeks ago I celebrated my 27th year in AA. Thank you. And uh, however, I've been around AA for about uh, 30 years because uh, uh, early in my recovery, and this may be a conversation later on, um, I have gone in and out early in my recovery. And if I was to pinpoint why I went in and out, so I, I don't know if I can give you uh, an accurate description of why. But uh, again, we'll talk about that later. Um, my second meeting, I, I've gone to an AA, and I'm thinking this may be about 88, maybe 89. Um, I was going to um, AA for the first time, <laughs> and uh, somebody told me uh, something that stuck with me um, um, to this day. And, uh, I, and I'll share it, and I admit it's parroting. Um, but uh, I, I, I suppose uh, I, I don't mind doing it in this one case. And, and it may have been said, you know, when you first sobered up in 88. Um, but uh, I didn't get in trouble every time I drank, but every time I was in trouble, I was drinking. And uh, yeah, so you, so you heard that. And I think I it was just that. a And it's very true, of, actually, you know. Yeah, <laughs> it, it describes my drinking uh, to a T. Uh, I had a lot of fun with drinking, and uh, but it's just those fun times began to disappear, and uh, um, some of the realism began to appear, and they weren't always positive; they were negative. Um, but uh, the other thing this gentleman told me uh, was that, uh, and and I think in one of your podcasts you described the the binary thinking, you know, we get into, and I, I know this is binary. You said you're either pregnant or you're not. Mm, right. Yep. That's that's what he's always telling me in my old my old home group that he was so yes. that. Yeah. And if you got it, and you know, and it's gonna get worse. And uh, absolutely. Uh, and uh, and yeah, I you know what I I still believe that today because things uh, did change uh, early in my recovery. Uh, uh, not not in recovery, but in my, in my drinking, and uh, and especially the period when I was going back and forth and going in and out. Um, things did get worse for me. Uh, you know, my absenteeism from work uh, began to get really bad. And uh, I and and this is probably uh, some of the early earlier problems that I was having. Um, blackouts and absenteeism uh, really dominated uh, my early problems with drinking. I was a no-show for a lot of birthdays and funerals and graduation, family events. Uh, and uh, but then it evolved to different things. Um, I was incapable of holding down my own place. I, I was renting apartments at the time, and I had no money to pay the rent. It was either problems, uh, you know, that I was getting uh, between jobs, or it was a problem uh, that I would. It came to a point, one one point, uh, where I was spending uh, money that I had to go to bills and keeping the shelter over my home, and I threw it to alcohol. Yeah. Yeah, I did and, too. Uh, I relate. Yeah, and, uh, and my parents uh, came by to bail me out one time, and uh, you know, because I told them I, I lost money, and I don't know where it went. Uh, I told them I went in the garbage, and uh, and I was I spent a day or two in the garbage. It literally happened. I, I did lose my rent, and they came by to help me, and uh, you know, they gave me a big wad of cash, and as soon as I saw that wad of cash, I didn't pay. Uh, what I should have paid, I went out and I drank again, 
And uh, that just continued on and on and on. I eventually got in some legal problems. And uh, I, I, you mentioned the DUI in your story. I, I didn't uh, get processed through DUI, but uh, I, I did get caught uh, once. Uh, um, I was asleep behind the wheel, but I was near home. Yep. I got, I, that was one of my DUIs. They gave me a DUI for that. Yeah. I was passed out in my car and the cops came by and I, and the lights of the flashlights woke me up and, uh, and yeah, I got a DUI for that because I was actually in possession of my keys while in the car. Oh my gosh. Well, a very different thing happened to me, which I was probably bad looking back at it today, but, uh, I was so close to home and, uh, my, I had some friends that come out to see what was going on and, uh, he let me go, and uh, just long as I was uh, put to sleep and, and not behind the wheels, and I, I guess I learned later the keys were given to somebody else, and uh, I didn't go through a legal process of, uh, of a DUI. However, I did get processed through <laughs> uh, some legal problems uh, for drunkenness. Um, I did get uh, charged for drunkenness uh, on more than one occasion, and. Uh, and uh, what did increase over time, uh, I did, uh, I was being incarcerated quite a bit in the latter part of my drinking. Um, and it was just foolish things. Um, I, I'd never have enough money for uh, a cab to get home or I, uh, um, I don't know, it's just endless. And I was getting incarcerated quite a bit from the police. And probably the, the last, I wouldn't say uh, the second last time um, I began to uh, get in problems with the medical uh, side of things. Um, I was hospitalized uh, for suicide and I was being treated uh, for depression. And that was in uh, year uh, 1992. And uh, anyway, and uh, my boss uh, come to visit me and my family uh, came to visit me that morning. And uh, when I woke up, <laughs> I woke up to many things, but that was one life-changing moment, you know, when I woke up and uh, I said, oh my gosh, I, what am I doing here? I, you know, this is getting worse. I did say that to myself, this is getting worse. And um, however, I did go in my first uh, treatment in uh, 1992 and uh, it was very 12-step based and there was a lot of speakers came in from AA and uh, and that's what uh, got me in an AA from that point on. What was your um, first impression of AA? My first impression of AA, um, I that's a good question. I um, I didn't know what to make of it. Um, I I did I I I did like the stories that they shared. I, I can relate a lot. Um, you know, I it, it definitely wasn't negative. And I knew I was with the right people um, that time, um, and um, and so it was easier integration uh, for me to go to meetings, I guess. And, and yeah, it wasn't that like I, I, it was the same for me. I mean, I the only thing that surprised me at my first meeting was <clears throat> I didn't have any idea that there was anything to do with God at the meeting. So um, when they closed the meeting with the Lord's Prayer, I just I felt kind of uncomfortable. But other than that, the people and when they shared their stories made me feel very, very comfortable and at home. I really felt like I was in the right place. And it did inspire me and give me some hope that things would get better. So that was my first impression. Yeah, exactly. Um, I'll share a little bit of that, too. Uh, I, I was uncomfortable 
with uh, some of um, the procedures, um, you know, and they, and at the time, yeah, every meeting was a smoking meeting. They held hands. It was a Lord's prayer at the end. And, uh, you know, it was God and the steps that got them sober. And, uh, you know, I, and I, I bought, I, I didn't resist that. I bought that, but I was still um, a distance from that. Right. Because my first few years of um, in recovery, I um, I didn't have a sponsor. I didn't do the steps, and I would go to the meetings, and you know uh, there was no sponsors, no steps, all meetings. Yep. You know how that. You know what? I think that's really more common than not. Yeah, I really I think do so too. <laughs> yeah, <clears throat> and, but there, I think it was my third year. I I wanted to um, try these steps that everybody was talking about. I'm thinking I didn't feel like an alcoholic until I've done these steps, uh, you know. And and everybody was talking about. It. I, I I think that kind of touches on the conformity, right? I, I go to these meetings all this time, and they're all talking about steps and and how it enlightened them. And I said. Well, why don't I have that enlightenment, right? And uh, so I got a sponsor. Uh, it was probably about three years of being sober, and uh, and I wanted to get a sponsor so I can do the steps. And looking back now, I it wasn't a life changing moment for me um, that uh, everybody shares in meetings, um, but um, but it was it was a process. I did it. And, uh, and that was it. And I stood at the end of it, <laughs> doing it all. And I said, okay, well, what is it? What's the big miracle that's going to happen? And uh, uh, that wasn't my experience. Um, I, I don't know. Did you have the ex- experience uh, when um, you did the After I did step five, <clears throat> that, that I did feel like some relief from that. I felt, I felt like I learned something about myself from that experience. Uh, so that was good. Um, and it did give me kind of like a t- tool to use later in life as, um, you know, anything would come up in life. I could do an inventory and <clears throat> figure out what was going on and, and what my reactions were. So in that sense, it was helpful. Um, but no, the, the steps themselves, especially the way that we worked them at our group, they weren't necessarily transformative because the steps, as I know them now, really are just a description of the experience that I was having. And it was the experience that I was having that was transformative, not, not reading and doing steps with, um, with sponsors and so forth. No, absolutely. I can relate. Yeah. I, you know, um, back then I believed in a higher power. Um, you know, I, I, I wasn't religious. Um, so I, I, I suppose I drank the Kool-Aid for that too. And uh, I believed in the higher power. I believed it was the people put in my path was uh, this higher power. And I believe somebody, somebody or something was putting people in my path. And uh, so I, it's just like a chess game. <laughs> and there's somebody out there that, you know, they're putting people in my life, uh, you know, giving me these options to think about, uh, you know, where my recovery is going. Well, you've probably heard me say that I, I kind of, I, I, I think I bought into it, but I think for me, I was, I don't know if I actually really believed what I was saying because I, I, I came into the program and was, I, I didn't, I didn't really think of myself as an atheist, but I had no belief in a God and I was very uncomfortable with people speaking openly about a belief in God and praying together. That was, that was stuff that made me very uncomfortable because it wasn't from my experience. But 
I started, I started talking like, you know, there, I started talking like everybody else and whether or not I believed it or not, I really don't know, but I was doing all those things. I was praying and so forth. Um, and I think I just buried any doubts that I had. Yes, I, absolutely. I, I can relate to, you know, we eventually learn what got the heads nodding after a while. And that was definitely my experience. And so I, I would never go as far as saying I, I had a religious God in my life, but uh, I would always call it a higher power. And, uh, and I, and I knew what, how to gain acceptance uh, with people in the meeting and knew what to say. Now, of course, today I, I don't believe a lot of that anymore. That's uh, part of uh, what's exiting um, my program today, or if you can call it that. I, um, I'll share, um, when I, when I, um, I went back out uh, in 93. I, I went in treatment in 92, and I went back out in 93. And I, my first uh, life-changing moment was when I came back to AA. Um, and I think that was important uh, for me to share because uh, I really don't know what made me go back out. And I, I don't know. And at the time, I wasn't doing the steps. And, and I suppose a lot of people argue and say, well, if you did the steps, then, you know, you wouldn't have had that problem. Um, but when I started looking around, I, I knew there was many people in sobriety that didn't work. This. And I also met people that had, you know, in their first years of sobriety and they'd done the steps. They had the sponsor and they went out. I, I found that was always in the back of my head. I found that it didn't matter. Uh, what happened, uh, whether you did the steps or you didn't. It's just people early in recovery eventually have gone back out for whatever reason. And um, and to pinpoint that, even in my own experience, I, I, I'm not sure what it was, I, other than I was in the wrong place at the wrong time. My second life-changing moment, uh, but uh, going back to the first, I, I realized that everything that was happening negative in my life always had some connection to alcohol no matter what was happening um and and i especially learned that because i had nine months of absence and when i went back out um i discovered okay i'm just doing the same thing over again and some of the same things happened again and they were negative they weren't positive anymore and i realized that okay there's a connection to the drinking, uh, having that absence and then going back out, uh, kind of opened my mind. Did you, did you have that experience uh, when you stopped drinking or was it just a, uh, uh, just a legal or problem with a family that, uh, well, just- I think, I think with me, um, I, I, I definitely was motivated to not drink. I mean, I, because I was just frightened with, um, the, the legal problems that I had and what my life had become. And I was very fortunate that I just ended up in a group where there were a lot of people that were my age, um, you know, so we could run around together and do things together. And that was really, if, if you, if there's, if there's anything about AA that was transformative for me, it was that because <clears throat> prior to that, when I was prior to getting into AA, I really didn't have 
you know, friends that I ran around with. I mean, I might go out and drink with somebody once in a while, but mostly I just went out by myself. I'd go out to a bar and I'd drink, drink by myself. And I had kind of a really lonely, solitary life. So that was kind of good for me to have, to have that experience of, you know, just kind of bonding with people that were all kind of doing the same thing together. Um, and, and it was kind of nice because, you know, outside the meetings, you don't really talk about, you know, I don't think anybody was ever talking about God or anything outside the meetings. You yeah. know, it was just, it was yeah, just that's dirty, true. Dirty. Yeah. I, so, I can relate. Yeah. 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 It was only in the meeting, you know, where you had to suit up, showed up. And, <laughs> right. Isn't that weird? These are some of the things you had to talk about in there, but outside, um, yeah, outside you're just normal. You're having and, coffee, yeah. you're talking about stuff. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. It's yeah. almost like you're at work and you had to perform uh, with a policy or something like that, right? <laughs> yeah. So you um, had actually had a period of time when you actually you actually left AA and stopped going to meetings, but maintained yes. your sobriety too. Absolutely. Yes. Um, I, um, I, I'll share briefly uh, what happened. Um, I, I, um, I, I was in Ontario at the time, and uh, some thoughts began to come in my head. And I don't know where it began. And I don't know where it ended. Um, but uh, I came to a point where I realized that, hey, every everybody seems to parrot everybody. Like uh, there were things I, I've been hearing over and over again, and for a number of years. And you know, and I've been through a number of provinces due to my work. And boy, this message is clear and seemed to be a unified message um, in a number of provinces. Um, I, I also had an experience. I'll kind, of, I'll kind of go back in time a little bit. I was in another province and I was at a roundup. And uh, I heard uh, our, our speaker by the name of Scott Redman. He's passed on. I know if you heard him. He was popular in the 90s uh, in the tape cassettes. And I, I did hear a story, and uh, I was on a committee, and uh, we recommended him, and he did come down and he spoke. And uh, at that time, um, I was in like year 12, maybe, uh, my sobriety, and uh, he shared something that um, made me think. And near the end of this, uh, no, not the end, at the beginning of this talk, uh, he shared that, you know, if we had a disaster, like a hurricane or a plane crash, or something like that, you know. We attribute uh, the miracle to the survivors, and we have no mention of others that perish or, or what happened. And uh, I, that stuck with me, and I don't know why that stuck with me. And uh, I, 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 looking back now, I wondered, you know, was he part of an early secular group, uh, you know, in the Southern California area or something like that? I don't know. Um, but uh, I. I began questioning everything. From that point on, I began questioning a lot of things. Every belief went on the table. Yeah, yeah. And I got, I had that experience too. That was pretty amazing. To, to, that was a, a really cool period, actually, when I did that. Everything was on the table. Everything was up for um, debate. You know, I had to decide what I really believed. Yeah, exactly. Like, um, I, I was... I, Begin sitting in meetings and I discover, you know, we're giving credit to things that deserve no credit. Um, I, I found myself in the world, and I forgive me for using <laughs> some of these words. It may sound a little harsh at first, but I, I, I found I was in a world of uh, hijacking, conformity, and parroting. And what I mean by hijacking is um, if you 
like if you got shot nine times, you know, and I, I and the person lives through it, you know, uh, I, and I recently heard this on a podcast, not, not an AA one, but uh, another one, uh, the credit would go to God. And we wouldn't give the credit to the surgeon or, or the natural healing that was going on or just the nature of the body itself. And I find when I sit in meetings, we give credit to things, uh, you know, that I, that from an initial point of view, you know, if uh, before going to A, that I would not normally do that. But, but since I've been sitting in meetings for many years, uh, yes, of course you give the credit for the steps or God or, you know, whatever for a number of things are happening. If I got a job or, uh, you know, I, it wasn't based on uh, or getting sober. It wasn't based on uh, anything, uh, you know, that I was doing for myself. It was based on the other things that you're getting from the fellowship. And uh, I, I wasn't, I began questioning things like this more and more. And when I arrived back to Nova Scotia, um, this is like year 18 of my sobriety. Um, this is where I began my sobriety. Um, I went to many meetings and I had nothing to say. And I would come home, my wife would ask me, how was the meeting? Uh, you know, she'd always ask me that just for a conversation. And I said, it's a good meeting. I have uh, nothing to share. <laughs> Did you talk? No, no, I didn't. And uh, it came a point where I just felt like I no longer belonged. I thought I belonged with the original group of people, you know, that I started AA from, uh, you know, 15, 20 years ago. And all the people were different, of course. And the old timers I knew were different. Uh, same in many ways, but different. And uh, and I'm not sure what happened. And when I went to these meetings, and I went every day, and, and if I had something to say, I was scared it was going to conflict with others. And if I had something to share, then I feared correction afterwards. See, I, that's where the point I got. After like 25 years, I... I, I was really walking on eggshells around that group. And these are people I've known, many of them, for many decades, for a couple decades, you know. And I got to where I just felt like I had to be very careful. Anytime I would I'd tip my toe in the water, it seemed like somebody would tell me to get out, you know. It was just, it was really a difficult time. And uh, But then I, I got a little bit more bold, but I got to the point where eventually I realized I don't fit here anymore. It wasn't going to work anymore. I could not sit in that room anymore, and, and I just couldn't do it anymore. I just couldn't do it. But with me, I was fortunate. I, I at, that was the same time I learned about these secular meetings, and I started a new. I started a new group, and just continued on from there. But if if I didn't do that, I would have nothing to do with AA. Yeah, I I think the same thing happened to me. I I think it was about approximately, not quite, but approximately two years. I left AA. I, I didn't go means at all. And, and I kind of held my breath thinking I'm going to go out and drink. And you did something similar to me too. <clears throat> you were um, listening to um, Richard Dawkins and Christopher Hitchens, the new atheist on YouTube. And I did that a lot during that time when I was realizing um, that I was an atheist. So I read the books and I would watch all the videos and all of this. And it was real it was real eye opening for me. It really helped me. It really helped me think more critically of what I was actually doing. And it put me on a, on a different, on a different path. And I, and maybe it even gave me some courage finally to be open about what I really thought, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. Like these guys weren't talking about alcohol, but it was a critical thinking skills. 
that you could not avoid, you know, and 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 just substitute church and put in AA, and it's like wow, and and it was mind opening. It was truly mind opening. Uh, I yeah, I listened to these guys quite a bit on the podcast, and to me, that was the final bullet. It absolutely was. It was the final bullet, and from there, I found myself alone in AA and not known who to talk to about some of these thoughts. Like I, and I just didn't belong. I left. I, I celebrate. I remember driving home from work one day and I celebrated my 20th birthday. I remembered stopping, picking up in the mail and I said, geez, yeah, it's, it's today, isn't it? Wow. No fellowship. Told my wife when I came in and she hugged and kissed me and, you know, and, uh, well, congratulations anyway, you know, you're not part of AA, you know, and, and, and the, the part of me kind of missed AA that day, uh, you know, to, to celebrate it with. Yeah. yeah. It's like you but, don't have to be in AA to celebrate your sobriety. But, absolutely. Yeah. You know what? There was a couple of birthdays I had where friends just came to my house and we celebrated uh, at my house as opposed to an AA meeting. Yeah. But you did actually go back and did, did you actually, were you actually part of starting a uh, secular meeting? Well, what happened is um, I, I was I was I, I was AA lonely, I guess. I, and uh, it was definitely my second year of not going to AA, and I started going online a lot, and saying, and I finally punched in the words, you know, Halifax, AA, and secular, and I found one, and they weren't listed. And, uh, oh, that's regular, right. That's right. You mentioned they that they weren't, weren't listed. Yeah. It Absolutely. was during that period of time when, um, there was a lot of, uh, I guess, controversy surrounding agnostic groups, especially in Canada. It was, it was like all over Canada, Ontario and British Columbia, and I guess Nova Scotia. Yeah, that's absolutely. Like I'd done some research later on and a vote to get us listed one time. And, and I studied a lot of the American meetings and, uh, the Canadian meetings. And it's like, 80% of the American meetings, they were listed. I'm not sure why. And then you, about 80% of the Canadian meetings were not listed. And that was just at a point in time that now that changed uh, uh, drastically, especially in the last five years. Uh, but in, at that time, I think it was around um, 2012, 13. Um, yeah, there was very little listing meetings in Canada at the time. And, and I, I became aware of what problems they had in Toronto, too. Um, and I followed that closely. But I, I met some people who, um, uh, his name is Reed and Judy, and they uh, started the very first meeting um, for Secular AA in Halifax. And uh, they originally were listed and then they weren't <laughs> i think that happens to a lot of them <laughs> yeah they discovered, oh my god like, oh my god you don't really <laughs> we gotta take you off <laughs> <laughs> this is this is not the a we're thinking of this is part of brochure <laughs> and uh, so they were on and then they were off very quickly right. and, uh, and we spent the next three years fighting to get listed again so I became part of the group, and um, I started going to A again, and also it reinvigorated my zest for the program and, and what it means to me that, and the flexibility it has. You know, like if we can just change the word God or just put a big X through the steps, 
then, you know, why can't we do that with other aspects of our program? Uh, you know, why do we have to follow this uh, rigid program, you know, that's uh, outlined in the book, if not in the meetings? But like yourself, I, I went to talk with other people how they did stuff, stuff like that. It was never the same. No, it never was the same. Never was. That, that was a new revelation for me. <laughs> yeah. But that's, and, uh, I had the same experience, though. After I started our group here in Kansas City, the We Agnostics group, it was like, I real I I was more excited about AA I think than I had ever been. I felt I really was I was really into it. I really um, it came to life for me. Everything about it. I mean, just to be just to have the freedom to think about the steps differently and all the meet the people that I was meeting online. And it was just a real exciting time time that I was um, experiencing. Yeah, um, no, I'm not agree. sure if I'm quite still there though mentally where I'm yeah. at today. You yeah. know at that uh, at that, that level of excitement. Well. <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm the same. Yeah, because <laughs> there's a lot I dropped in the last few three or four or five years. Um, you know, um, uh, I will talk about my uh, I I would call the third life changing moments in AA, um, and I mentioned that in. Um, email i sent to you was mm-hmm. uh, john h's talk in uh, yeah, toronto when you met him in toronto i i will never forget that as long as i'm in aa or long as i live and, and and i mentioned to you it was the first time that i heard somebody spoke like that about the steps one thing my sponsor original sponsor who's long past well he instilled in me was um, the concept of service and if there was anything more that I was doing than the program or staying sober or hanging out with people, it was service. I've, I've been part of service for many years. Um, not looking for a pat in the back. It was just, that was just the kind of guy that I was. Uh, we had to keep things going and there was no, you know, there's no thanks for what you did. You just had to do it. And that was it. And that was his attitude. And that was the attitude he still to me. But when I went to these meetings, We'd always talk about a concept or tradition. No one ever spoke negative about them. Right, right. And when I, now this is the steps, and I, and I heard John for the first time talk about it. Oh my God, I was floored, but I loved it. I loved it. He, uh, he spoke about it. And I, you know what? I, at the time, I even disagreed with him and, and some of this stuff, but uh, not so now. I, you know, again, it's an evolving process. It you is. Know, it is. It is. It, it truly was. I disagreed with him, but I love it that he shared, you know, some negative stuff after being in, in this program for like uh, um, 20 years plus, And to hear somebody talk that way, uh, I knew I was in an environment of, well, some new friends and a new freedom and a new happiness, uh, you know, <laughs> and because, um, I, even at that uh, conference, I, you know, I met somebody from San Francisco, you know, and he said I w- his first conference was uh, in uh, Austin, Texas. He said uh, when he first went to his first meeting, he went back to his hotel room and he, and he cried. He, uh, you know, he had the same experience I have long term being in the program and then suddenly knowing that, hey, you know, uh, it's different today. And here's a bunch of people in front of you, you know, and, uh, you know, that think different. And we no longer have to keep our mouths shut in the meeting, you know, that authenticity, uh, you know, because a lot of the last 
couple years before uh, I left AA, I said nothing. I just sat in the back and I was quiet. And the only conversation I was having was people afterwards when you can let your guard down and be yourself. And, and rather than talking with the program or God or, you know, whatever, right? And so I, um, I also, after the conference in Toronto, I read John Loretson's book. And uh, I, I soaked it all in one afternoon. I read it all and I devoured it. And uh, he, he said some things, you know, that um, really changed my mind, uh, you know, about, about what I thought of the steps, you know. What I originally disagreed with, um, with John H., I now agree, uh, thanks, to, thanks to that yellow book. So. Yeah, you know, the first time I ever heard somebody say something negative about the steps, and they were in AA, and it was somebody from within the secular AA community, I was shocked. I, I I'd never ever heard it, but I mean, I was literally shocked. I couldn't believe what I was hearing, and I'm I was and and in my mind, I was thinking, well, why are you even in AA? Because I did equate AA with the steps. I didn't realize I was doing that, but now I. I don't mind it. I can hear that criticism and I, I have even rethought what they, what they mean to me. And it's just, it's, 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 I guess it's good to be exposed. I guess what I've learned, it's good to be exposed to somebody who you might not agree with. And it's good to be shocked sometimes. And sometimes it takes to be shocked for you to begin to maybe think about something differently. Yes. No, absolutely. I, I, all of progress of mankind, was uh, based on you know a, a set of challenges, you know like uh, I I'm a I'm a you mentioned you were uh, went to university so did I, I and uh, I I worked in the chemistry department and uh, you know on the apps, Friday afternoons you know we would sit there and and we would listen to somebody's uh, thesis or somebody they're going to put an article in a journal. And I will never forget my first time, you know, this guy presented something and, and all, it seemed like all the professors were all over him and it's like, well, no, they're going to put their name on this journal. <laughs> they're they're going to be challenged on some of these ideas that they're going to present. Right. And uh, we have to look at all these angles, you know, and I, I feel a lacks that. I, I think we just sit there and we say, well, this is good. This is great. You know, and you're here for 20 years and, and um, so I, what really stands out, and just like you mentioned, uh, you know, if somebody says something negative, like, wow. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that grabs my attention, you know, or if you just spoke about it in a positive manner, then I'd probably miss all the words. <laughs> but it's also freeing to, I know, I, I do feel like I've been freed from, I guess, free from dogma. I'm, I, I, I truly can I'm free from all of that. I don't have to think like that. I don't have to believe that. And if somebody throws crap at me like that, like someone says, you know, you need to do the, the, this step or that step, I, I just let it slide off my, my back. I, I, it, doesn't, it doesn't even apply to me. I'm okay with that. But I, and I'm not necessarily anti-steps either. You know, I, I, there, I see that they have a place for a lot of people. And hell, I've, I've been in AA for 30, I'm going on 32 years. And so they're kind of ingrained in me anyway. I can't get them out. One thing that I pissed, um, I, John gets pissed off at me about John H because 
in his, he hates the steps, he has nothing to do with them, but he writes out his experience and I can look at his experience and say, well, that's the <laughs> that's step right. and that step and that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I'm the same way. I, I look at everything. It's like the rose colored glasses you put on, right? And you only see the world in that frame. I, yeah, I do as well. It, it, and it's only our own experience. Um, you know, it's, it's how we look at the world. And how we look at the steps. Um, so I did start a group, and that was after I went to the conference. Okay. In, oh, uh, interesting. After the 2018 conference. After the 2018 conference, and um, it was no disrespect to the original group. I I, I love these guys and gals. Um, and I mentioned Judy, and she went to Toronto with me, and. Uh, and she was transformed from the experience as well. And so when her and I came back, um, I just said, well, I'm going to start a second group. And starting the second group, like we only had one meeting to go through throughout the week, and everybody else had to go through traditional meetings. So my impetus for this was, well, how about a second? Right. Yeah, that's a good I, idea. Yeah, like uh, so, I I I did. I I've been watching your podcast quite a bit, and you said something that you have a meeting every night of the week. We do here in and Kansas City, Missouri. <laughs> I I can't believe that. So I looked up Wikipedia, I looked up Kansas City, and I compared <laughs> the populations. It is about the same. I said, why not us? <laughs> right, right, right. And so, because you do, yeah, your your population is about the same as here. Uh, so I. Uh, I said, why not? So I made all the mistakes. <laughs> uh, secular A meeting. Um, my first mistake is I, I did it. I, I can't say it was just myself. Um, I, I did have others that were going to help me, but I, one by one, uh, most of them were traditional A members and friends of mine. They left uh, probably within a month. They were gone one by one, and it was just myself and maybe one or two other people holding um, the fort. And, uh, but eventually it grew. One person stayed and then it grew to three to four and then afterwards five to six. And, uh, we recently had a birthday and it's, it's way above average, but we had about 30 people for, yeah, that's nice to see. I, I like to see that. I like to see the room fill because I remember our group started and it would like be the same thing. There'd be three or four of us. You know, and now it just it just warms my heart to see the room full of people celebrating their sobriety or whatever. And yeah, it's it, it's great. It's also interesting to watch the group um, change over time. You know, the group that we have today, because we're going down now in our sixth year, and it's a completely different group from where we started. I mean, some of the people are the same, but there's a lot of new people too. And there's been a lot of people that have come and gone in between and they have all brought something to the group and left it with us. And so it has really taken a different, um, you know, personality, I guess. And what I like now about my, my group is that we've got really a whole new generation of people that are taking care of the group. And I love that. I love to see that. And they're bringing a different, a different um, spin on things than I did because I came from the traditional AA background. They come from no AA background. So they're a clean slate, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I have the same experience. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> There's only just a few of us in here that have traditional AA background, but the rest are all new. 
and what they share in the meetings is just scraps of other meetings they've been to. And uh, most of them um, haven't heard of the ABO <laughs> uh, Belief uh, podcast. Right. Uh, you mentioned that too, I think. And uh, they don't, a lot of them don't know what's going on outside of their group. That's right. That's absolutely true. And I think that, that that's always been true, I think, in AA because the groups being so autonomous, they don't really care. People don't really care so much about like what happens at the general service conference or anything like that. And the same thing with my secular group. They don't, you know, um, they don't really, they're just, they're just focused on them, their, their, their friendships within the group and so forth. And they're not really interested in anything outside of that. Um, there are some that listen to the podcast, but, um, sometimes, and I, I try not, I don't like talk about this podcast or this, my website or anything a lot when I go to meetings, but it does surprise me sometimes that there's absolutely no interest at all. <laughs> <laughs> I know. No, it's it's the more older uh, uh, conventional members, you, you know, that are interested. Yeah, yeah. All the yeah. new people are not interested at all. Right. right? <laughs> so I mentioned uh, the odd time of the Washington D.C. Um, uh, conference coming up, and I mentioned the Toronto at the time, and uh, you know, it's, uh, and I'm, I'm also if uh, an interesting podcast, I'll mention it in the announcements. I will uh, just to pique some interest uh, anyway and, and there is there are a few but i would say the majority no yeah yeah same here now i have like i too i've met a couple of people who um actually um found the group through like youtube or something like that they and yeah but yeah for the most part and that's fine otherwise it would be annoying i think if <laughs> but um oh, absolutely yeah i can't sit there and and demand that, uh, you know, that we, we watch uh, this or, right, or right. you know, everybody's got to find their own, um, you know, uh, which is something I had to do. We, we have to find our own niche. Uh, and because uh, some people work this 12 steps, some people don't, and some people work secular steps, right? And people are finding, uh, hopefully if there's anything we achieve is that people are finding their own experiences and their own journeys in here rather than having a mandated orthodox one and uh and and sometimes we get a little orthodoxy but uh, and and you know we have to (laughs) if someone just shares their experience you know um you know that they don't do the steps sometimes we get somebody afterwards and say well i i had to do the steps because and and uh and and what am i gonna say am i gonna uh, say otherwise or you know or it's a, I, I, I find it, it's a very dicey uh, thing um, to speak up whether you should or you shouldn't. Than share your you own know what I find really interesting about the, about these, the people that are attending meetings at my group. And I haven't really been going to very many meetings lately, but the, they don't make a big deal about working steps or not working steps. It's almost like it's a private thing. It's almost, you know, it's like between them and whoever they're, they're talking to about the steps, you know, and I kind of like that, you know, it's not, it's not made a big deal. And when we do have meetings, the topics are always um, now something that the person who's chairing the meeting just comes up with. Nobody reads anything. It's just, uh, you know, whatever they want to talk about. And, uh, and that's not the background I come from. I come from you got to read something and talk about what you read about. But absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah at first, uh, we we had to get the we had to do a little bit of God bashing at first, but we got that out of our system. And uh, now today, uh, we we talk just alcohol subjects. 
And the odd time, uh, you know, the program will come up, uh, you know, whether that's steps or, or lack of. Um, but uh, well, what I like is we, we do have a freer atmosphere, uh, you know, to share other ideas, uh, which is what I was looking for for a yeah. long time. <laughs> yeah. People can be a lot more honest about things. I mean, at, at some groups you feel the, you feel the pressure that, to conform that you wouldn't necessarily say that you don't work the steps or whatever, you know, and you'd be afraid to, because you're going to be offending people. Whereas here, um, and they, people say, yeah, I don't really work steps. I don't do that. And that's fine. And honestly, I think that the same percentage of people who don't work the steps in a secular meeting is the same as at a traditional meeting. I, I, I really think that's the truth. And, but people don't really come out and say they don't work the steps, but they, but they really don't have anything to do with them really. No, you know, I used to sponsor people a lot um, in my first like 10 years or so. And um, for whatever reason, uh, people don't want me as a sponsor. No one asks me to sponsor them. And that's fine. You know, I, I'm okay with that. Um, if I if I do sponsor somebody, I think one reason that it doesn't really last for any length of time is I don't have any structure. I don't I don't lay down like this is the path you must follow. <clears throat> and some people early on, they do want that. They do want that structure and that path to follow. And I just say, find your own path and let's be friends. That's basically my approach. And um, if it, you know, that that's the way I am. So, and I, I, I offer my friendship to whoever might want it. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, I suppose I, I, I do sponsor a couple of individuals at the moment. My experience um, in the last five to 10 years, um, I, um, there, <laughs> I, I, yeah, I, I don't want to lay uh, some kind of orthodox program in front of them either. Uh, uh, however, um, I, you and John actually, uh, not that long ago, I had a talk on sponsorship. Uh, and I, I, I think we need more discussions on that. But I think both of you is kind of rejected uh, um, uh, outright uh, because of what it stood for, especially from a, a traditional sense. I do. I do kind of, I think it's a bad idea to have a formalized um, system of sponsorship where someone thinks that they're, they're obligated to have a sponsor, that they must have a sponsor. And I really hate the idea that the sponsor has any sort of expertise or, um, you know, I, I really don't like that. So, and it can be, it can be dangerous and I've seen it abused at other groups, especially, you know, these Clancy cult like groups this whole thing is sponsorship. So I think I don't, I'm not like totally against it. I mean, I see people that have um, in my home group who have sponsors sponsors and it's a very loving, you know, f close relationship and the sponsor isn't dictatorial and the person doesn't feel like, you know, it's a, it's, I think a healthy relationship and I'm okay with that, you know, but I'm, I'm not okay with um, where you're in an AA group and you're being pressured to get a sponsor or somebody imposes themselves on you as their sponsor and, and then um, begins um, acting as if they know what's best for you. And they might even speak to you as in a kind of a, a derisive way that, you know, you're, you're just a, you're just a little newcomer. You don't really know, you know, I, I just really don't like that at all. So yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, well, I, 
I think we have a we we agree a lot. Um, I though I'm stuck with the title. <laughs> a couple of, of um, examples. I I, I think um, uh, the the two individuals I'm sponsoring now they um, they approached me uh, and and I think they were interested in some structure at first, uh, you know, with the steps or whatever. But they slowly learned uh, really quickly. <laughs> Where, where I stand with that, and and there's no structure at all, and and there's uh, uh, probably initial disappointment. I I I, um, I know one uh, shared. You know, I expected you to call me up and you to tell me what we had to do with the steps, and I said no, not at all. And I and hopefully um, what they have learned, or hopefully there's anything they got out of me is that uh, there's you know, don't believe what anything I'd say. Uh, you know, this is uh, more or less your journey, and you can share with me if you want. Uh, you know, but I'm I'm more interested. Uh, you know, um, if you have the ability to, to free think, uh, you know, some of this stuff. Uh, I'm more interested in the free thinking side as opposed to a structure, orthodox, mandated side uh, on this, right? And so they learned that, and then they kind of stepped back a little bit. But then now today, um, with both, we just share and we just talk really uh, and, that, and that's all it is uh, so I, I think it, it fell together that way uh, in spite of uh, how it may have started out or the expectations uh, yeah. so. so coming up to modern times how is your group handling the COVID-19 pandemic oh well um, we have uh, a very energetic um, bubbly person by the name Pam and uh, we had a meeting just before the axe fell and what I mean by that is when everybody was um, secluded the homes and uh, and this is our last meeting and we all knew it our last meeting um, was going to be here and we predicted by next week we were not going to be meeting and that's exactly what happened and uh, so we had a chance to organize as a group what we're going to do and so I mentioned this lady, Pam, and she said, you know, hey, I just happen to have an account with Zoom. And so we were uh, the first uh, sites to develop in the Halifax area uh, for meetings. And, and a lot of groups just followed that pattern. And I know I'm looking around now. Uh, that's happening everywhere now. Oh, yeah. It's amazing. Yeah. So um, I'm trying to look around <laughs> and see what's going on in Toronto or even in the States, you know, the, some of the groups that started. I, I just like to sit in and listen to meetings, uh, you know, far away. But, yeah, uh, we, I, might, I might actually do that. Uh, the Toronto group actually um, posts their, a link to their meetings um, on Facebook and so forth. I should check one out sometime. But I've been going to all of our, uh, my group's Facebook, I mean, not, um, Zoom meetings because um uh, the I have to help start the meeting and everything. Although now I've got two people who I think can take over doing that, so I won't have to be um, be at every single one of them. But I've been at every single one of them, and they've been it's it's been good. Um, I I'm surprised that at how much I like it. And I think one reason I like it so much is that I do spend so much time, um, you know, just me and my wife in the house now, that it's great to you know, see them and talk to them and, and laugh. Uh, it's, it's, it's needed really right now. Right. So, yep. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, we, uh, well, we, uh, we, um, there was a meeting that started in Fredericton and, uh, we kind of 
not that we helped, but uh, they, they came down to our meeting to see what was going on. And uh, a couple months later, they started a meeting. So we developed a friendship uh, with uh, a meeting in Fredericton, a secular meeting. And we've been uh, on one another online meeting and, uh, and uh, we, we kind of, this crisis uh, created a, a positive where, you know, we're, we're getting to know one another more online. And, uh, you know, instead of traveling uh, four or five hours uh, to another sector meeting, uh, you know, we're, we're meeting one another and getting to know one another online. Uh, so that's definitely a positive. It'll be interesting if this all, when this is all over, that it'll be interesting to see how many of these online meetings continue you know, and if there's some new groups that come out of it, online groups, you know, this might be a kind of a new thing. There's a lot of people now in AA who are attending meetings online who never would have done it before. And they're probably discovering this is kind of cool. Yeah. I'm thinking, uh, as along the lines of what you're saying, I'm thinking, yeah, a lot of this is going to still remain. I, I haven't yet, but I, I want to talk with some other people from the secular meetings around the Atlantic provinces because I know there were some instances where a secular group wanted to start in another province, but they haven't for whatever reason. Maybe they didn't have the numbers or something like that. I'm thinking the online uh, meetings could be a solution, uh, and we just need to reach out to uh, um, you know to these communities. Uh, uh, you know, long distance that may not have enough people to start an online meeting, but it could be an opportunity to attend a secular meeting you know, uh, in the area. Uh, and you so, know, it's something in- interesting that's happening also is there's now, cause the, the secular AA website, they have a lot of, um, secular meetings online and they always have. And those meetings were usually like 20 people, whatever. Um, but now they're like a hundred people show up and they're not all people from secular AA meetings. They're from all same types of meetings. Mm-hmm. Yes. And it's kind of nice though, because um, it's like, it's introducing all these people to a yes. secularly formatted AA meeting yep. and it seems yep. to work for them just fine. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There's, there's <laughs> definitely uh, positives and negatives in this, but uh, that's definitely the positive. Yeah. yeah. More people are going to get exposed uh, to secular AA. Right? Yeah. And, and you wonder if there's going to be some of these people who have a traditional background, whether they believe or a believer in God or not, are going to say, you know, I kind of like having a meeting that starts without having to read how it works and without having to pray all the time. I kind of like that. Yes, that's right. <laughs> that's right. So I, I think uh, this is going to produce some changes in, in what we see today. And, you know, and I'm looking forward to them. Uh, we're we're just beginning to talk about some of them uh so anyway well i sure have enjoyed this conversation doug i'm 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 glad that we had this opportunity i'm glad that uh glad that you reached out to me in that email that uh that was great i wonder if i met you when we were in toronto i i did briefly i i remember seeing you you probably don't remember seeing me uh you were in the room where john h was having that talk were you not you were recording right because you you Played around with it. Yeah, you played around with his microphone at one point. Oh yeah, I, yeah. I, I I was really busy at that. I I think I think I kept myself busy as a way to avoid having to um, actually socialize with anybody. I've been doing social um, distancing um, for a long time. <laughs> right. <laughs> I can relate. <laughs> it kind of comes natural to me. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, but I, I didn't get a chance to meet with you. But I, I did talk with uh, John H uh, for about fifteen minutes after. So I don't know if he remembers me, but uh, it was uh, it was great about that conference. I got to meet a lot of people that uh, I I've never met before, and 
And just like when you arrived in AA, you didn't feel alone again. And then suddenly I'm alone in AA, and then I go to a conference, I'm not alone again. Right? We we got to, you, you know, meet others, you know, at least that think like us. And I went through what we went through. So um, I'm I'm um, in debt uh, to and to the new friends that we met uh, in um, uh, secondary. I I felt like I've known you for a while because I listened to your podcast a lot. And in my email, I wanted to engage you in a conversation. In the back of my mind, I, I knew he's probably going to ask me. This yeah, tomorrow. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I I uh, I'm really bad about um, conversing by email. Um, I, I'm just I'm just like because I email all day long at work. You know, and it's like, oh, I don't know, man. I just, um, so, but I love to talk on the podcast. Yes. <laughs> and I, and I could see, uh, I, I seen some of your live shows. I, I haven't worked up the nerve to call in, but I, I will, I, I'll definitely help out. Cause I, I, especially your, your new area of the, my secular sobriety. I've been following that quite a bit. And we never had a chance to talk about, about uh, some of the stuff. But, well, uh, that's I, a fun podcast. And I, I, um, I, I, I started that because I wanted to, I wanted to be able to talk about things that I don't necessarily talk about on this podcast, because this podcast is so closely aligned with AA and a secular interpretation of AA. And I wanted to talk about recovery writ large and all kinds of different ways of recovery and all kinds of different things to recover from and, and just, just to do that. Um, but, you know, I always have to bring that AA part with me, but I really try to, to tamper that down on that particular podcast. And I also like on that podcast, I don't have to be anonymous because I, I'm really not speaking as an AA member on that podcast. So, um, and I like not having to be anonymous. That's one thing I've, I've really changed my, um, I, I don't, I'm not as a big fan of anonymity as I was before, but I still practice it within AA out of respect for that tradition. I do that, you know, but that's right. I, I kind of follow along, uh, but uh, I, you, you gave a talk on uh, anonymity at one point. And I, I, again, it was another experience. I never thought of it in that angle. And, and when you let it sit with me for a week or two, it's like, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I agree. A lot of people I, disagreed I, with me on that. Um, but and that's fine. You know, I disagreed with myself at one time. So I'm going to, <laughs> no, well, there's nothing wrong with uh, talking out loud. Uh, no. Thoughts, no. Right? So. so that's another episode of AA Beyond Belief, the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Doug, for talking with me. It was a lot of fun. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Uh, for those of you who would like to support our site and podcast, you can do so by visiting our website and clicking on the donate button. Uh, you can also go to our Patreon page at patreon.com slash Belief, and you can make recurring contributions. And if you can't, that's okay. We just do this for the fun of it. We're not trying to make any money. So anyway, thank you for listening, everybody. This is John S. signing off. <laughs>